0: Good afternoon. Kind of depressing afternoon, but a good afternoon nonetheless. Hi, everybody. It's Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPEL. The show today, of course, brought to you by Service Chevrolet Cadillac because it's your five o'clock news cruise. We're going to cruise along, hopefully, safely with this rain and these wet roads, but we're going to cruise along nonetheless. Find new roads with service Chevrolet located at 1212 Ambassador Caffrey in Lafayette. Thank you, service, for sponsoring this hour of the show. Now, this weekend, early voting wrapped up in uh, across the state of Louisiana and the numbers kind of what we expected. There is not a lot of excitement, not a lot of turnout prospects for uh, this for, for this particular election cycle. So. We had not a great turnout in October, but this one looks like it's going to be uh, way short of that. The, the November election next uh, next Saturday is voting day uh, or this this coming Saturday. Yeah, this that's that's election day. Go out and vote. Um, but in particular, the number to pay attention to locally in Lafayette Parish, almost 11 percent of total voters turned out to vote. Of course, there's one big election on the ballot for Lafayette Parish, and that is Lafayette Parish uh, mayor-president. If the numbers and the things I was hearing are are true, the city of Lafayette voted the best among those that went out to vote over the course of early voting. Uh, What that probably means is that... The mayor president, Josh Guillory, really needs to work on getting out his vote around the parish for this coming Saturday. Inside the city of Lafayette, a lot of those numbers tended in the October election to favor uh, Monique Blake Boulay. The parish is really what came in and really kept Guillory alive. And I mentioned before... Or, or really, the, the first show after the October election, I mentioned to y'all the, the big thing that the Hillary campaign is going to do, or it's going to have to do, is get out the vote. It all comes down to turnout. So it's so incredibly cliche to say it, but that's really the key here for the incumbent. The incumbent's got to go and get out the vote. I'm not sure if those who were motivated to go out to vote right now are the ones who feel most passionately about it. And you want to make sure that the most passionate people are your people. So you need to work on getting out the vote. A low turnout favors the challenger in this particular case. I've been wrestling with the statistics on this going back and forth. But if the turnout Around the parish, not the city of Lafayette, but in the communities around Lafayette, if the turnout in those communities is low, that's the more conservative Republican part of the parish. That's where Guillory is going to rely on most of his vote in this election. The city of Lafayette, barring a few different sections, the city of Lafayette, there are pockets that, if properly motivated, could put Monique Blanco-Boulay, over the edge. So that's what we're looking for in these statistics. Now, again, that's the early voting numbers. About 11% of the parish turned out in early voting. We'll see what actually shows up on Election Day. But speaking of voting, we've got something bigger going on because it looks like we have a new Speaker of the House in Louisiana, not in Washington, D.C. we still got Mike Johnson. But in Baton Rouge, it looks like Eunice... Republican representative Philip DeVilliers is going to be the next speaker of the House. Jeff Landry put out a statement today, uh, thrilled that the other candidates for speaker are backing DeVilliers. The other candidates, uh, there's a joint statement that was put out. It's a, a big deal in Louisiana right now. The Republican Party has chosen its next speaker. There are a couple different ways to interpret it. Here's my take. And because it's kind of in the area. I, I figure that there are some folks who might hear this and report back. I, I don't know Philip DeVillier. I know Julie Emerson, who was one of the candidates for speaker. I know and respect Julie. She has been a phenomenal representative for my values and interests in the state legislature. I don't know Philip DeVillier. I don't. If anybody listening knows him... They can pass along this message. I really don't care if a politician listens to me or not, because, hey, what is some guy behind a microphone really going, just how seriously do you take a guy behind the microphone? I would hope you take me seriously, but that's beside the case. If Representative Philip Deville is listening, or anybody out there listening knows him, this would be my advice. The voters of Louisiana have spoken. Those who voted and those who didn't vote, the Democrats are mad at the low turnout. They say that they can't win elections because of the low turnout. But I think it's the fact that the Democrats don't have anything of value to the voters of Louisiana by and large. They can't motivate voters to go out and vote. That's not to say it's a platform issue. That's to say it's a candidate and excitement issue. They've got nothing that really spurs Louisiana voters to go out and vote for them. But Republican voters spoke loud and clear. The October election was a referendum not just on Democrats, but also on moderate Republicans. Because moderate Republicans didn't win the governor's race. They didn't even compete. Conservative voters spoke so loudly, not just Republican, but conservative voters spoke so loudly, they got Jeff Landry into the governor's mansion without a runoff. And with as loudly and as forcefully... As Louisiana voters spoke, it's clear, and I hate using the word, but it's clear that there's some sort of mandate to not do what's been done for the past eight years. For the past eight years, Louisiana voters have had to deal with the fact that Republicans put forward crappy gubernatorial candidates and had crappy infighting and crappy people in the legislature. Now we have a conservative governor. Now we have conservatives who are actually openly vying and getting support for Speaker of the House. Philip DeVilliers, I know you're a conservative. I have heard people talk about how conservative you are. You are a good guy. You are a great guy. You, You can be a conservative legislator and speaker. Do not take this as a mandate that we need to bring everybody together and bring things, you know, work across the aisle because the voters have said they're not interested in that because we've had eight years of that and nothing in the state has gotten done. Speaker de Villiers. Should the formal vote happen and you get all the votes and you become speaker, Speaker de Villiers. If you're going to work on negotiating and cutting deals, my advice for you is very simple. Bridge the gap between conservatives and moderates. Do not bring Democrats to the table. The voters have spoken. The voters want Republicanism. They want the Republican platform the voters have decided they want conservatism. And because the voters have decided they want conservatism, it is in your interest and your duty as speaker to bring them the conservatism they need. So when you have the far right come to the table with a suggestion and moderates kind of guffaw at it, you don't go and work with Democrats and moderates to make something happen. The, the job of government isn't just to make things happen. Sometimes the job of government is to stop things from happening. And if the job of government is sometimes to stop things from happening, go talk to the moderates and go talk to the conservatives and see if anything can happen and work to push the conservative ideas through. And if the moderates need something, work with the moderates, but don't bring the Democrats to the table. The Democrats have not earned it. The voters have shown that they do not care for democratic stewardship of the state. The voters show they regret the past eight years because everything seems to have gotten worse. It is time for a Republican speaker that puts Republican ideas ahead of Democratic ideas. So, Representative... Incoming Speaker de Villiers, if you're listening or if your people are listening, that is my hope, that is my request, that is my advice. If we're going to negotiate, if we're going to bridge the gap, the gap needs to be bridged between conservatism and moderate republicanism. With the emphasis going to the conservatives, because it is the conservative voters who spoke the loudest in the election it is the conservative voters who demand change and who are propping up your party and the power of the Republican party in the state. If the Republican voters are the ones that put you there it is the Republican po- voters who are best represented in the state. So that's what has to happen. If there's going to be any bridging of the gap, the bridging needs to come between Republican, uh, between conservatives and moderates. And and because I know some of you are out there pulling out your hair saying, stop catering to the moderates. Know what I say. Find out what the find out what the moderates want. Figure out how to keep them happy. But the emphasis should be on conservatism because conservatism is what the voters have called for in this election. All right, let's take a break. 232-1542 is the number. You can also send a message on the KPEL app. We'll be back in just a moment here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. But first, your pest of the day. And I'm not sure who in the Biden administration deserves this, but I think the entire Biden administration deserves the to be the pest of the day. Because while everything else is going on, and everything that we know right now that's going on in the Middle East and how much Iran constantly funds what's going on in the Middle East from Adam Credo at the free beacon, the Biden administration may approve sanction, a sanctions waiver on Tuesday that will allow Iran access to at least $10 billion in previously frozen funds held in Iraq. A closely watched decision that comes just a month after the Tehran-backed terror group Hamas launched an attack on Israel that left 1,200 dead. That's right, in the wake of everything that's going on across the sea in the Middle East... The Biden administration has decided that maybe Iran needs 10 billion more dollars. And that's why the Biden administration, the entire Biden administration, is your pest of the day. Brought to you by J&J Exterminating, Louisiana's largest independently owned pest control company. Find them online at JJext.com. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL It is our 5 o'clock news cruise brought to you by Acadiana's number one Chevy dealer. Nine years in a row. Stop by and check out the huge selection at Service Chevrolet Cadillac. Go over there, 1212 Ambassador Caffrey, or check them online, servicegm.com, because they've got new inventory arriving daily. If you go over there, though, you get to see the new and used cars up for sale right now. They have a parts and service department in case you need to get yours worked on. Body shop, collision center, fine line custom audio—they've got the wash right there. So much that you can take advantage of when you go visit Service Chevrolet Cadillac at twelve twelve Ambassador Caffrey. You know they've been serving your family for the last fifty years. Their family serving your family. Find new roads with Service Chevrolet Cadillac located at twelve twelve Ambassador Caffrey. Guarantee they can help you with your. Automotive needs. Now, Billy in Church Point brings up a point. Doesn't like early voting and mail-in voting. Because it gives the parties heads up, lets certain parties know how much they need to cheat before, you know, to make sure they win the election. Here's the thing on that. And Billy, this isn't against you. Because I know you've listened to the show and you've heard me say this before. Republicans can run on a platform of opposing early voting and mail-in voting, or they can embrace it. There's been a lot of shouting and crying from the Republican uh, establishment, from the media, from the Democrats, all saying, well, abortion actually hurt Virginia Republicans. That's why they didn't win the state Senate. That's why they lost the House, except... Except, y'all, they recently had gone through redistricting. It's now a map that favors the Democratic Party. But what's more, Republicans really didn't lean too far into abortion. In fact, Glenn Youngkin's 15-week abortion ban, plus exceptions for rape, incest life, of the mother seems to have mitigated a lot of the Democratic attacks. Virginia ran very Virginia Republicans ran very close to their 2021 numbers that got Glenn Youngkin elected in the first place. They trimmed some of their losses with the early abortion message. They didn't really run on that 15-week ban, but they mitigated a lot of what the Democrats were doing. And a lot of the reason they did so well is because Glenn Youngkin and his PAC actively worked to get early and mail-in voting it done in Republican voting blocks. They worked to get Republicans out early to vote. They worked to get Republicans to utilize mail-in voting. There were ad campaigns about it. They worked and they got Republican numbers up in a cycle that because of the abortion message, Republicans were supposed to do badly because Democrats thought they had a winning issue with abortion. And as it turns out, it really didn't make that much of a difference, partially because the early and absentee voting worked. So that's what Republicans really need to focus on, is if you want to stop the Democrats from cheating and stealing elections, use their methods, use the early voting, use the mail-in voting, and go out and beat them at their own game. And then if you want to change it, go in and change it. But you've got to play by their rules when it comes to the early and absentee voting in order to get it done. All right, let's take this break. When we come back, let's talk about what's going on in Congress. We have a possible spending deal. It looks like Democrats may be signing on to what Speaker Johnson is doing. Conservative voices not too thrilled about it. We'll break that down when we get back here on The Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back, Lafayette, to The Joe Cunningham Show. It is... News Talk 96.5 KPEL. It's your 5 o'clock news cruise brought to you by Service Chevrolet. Go check them out at 1212 Ambassador Caffrey in Lafayette. Find new roads with Service Chevrolet Cadillac. They can help you with all of your automotive needs. So it looks like a clean, laddered, continuing resolution is the temporary fix for Congress. Now, again, there's a government shutdown as of midnight Friday night, if they don't get some sort of funding. And right now there's arguing between the moderates and the Republicans, or I'm sorry, the moderates and the conservatives in the Republican party. God, how that's a topic of the day, I guess. Uh, but there, there's arguing on the appropriations bills. So they're not able to get the appropriations bills through on the schedule that Mike Johnson was hoping for. So, What they're going to have to do now instead is push this continuing resolution through. This is going to make conservatives angry. Mike Johnson is having to push through a clean but laddered continuing resolution. And here's what that means. Some of the government will be funded through January. Gets us through the holiday season. Some of the funding will go through February. So we can start to break up the funding and start working on funding things individually, not have to worry about omnibus spending. This is one of the objectives of Speaker Johnson's uh, rule here. He's trying. He's trying to stop spending. Via omnibus, via these continuing resolutions, he, like other conservatives, really wants to go back To. Appropriations spending, using appropriations bills, using the Rules Committee. Now, conservatives on the Rules Committee are already saying they're a no vote on this continuing resolution, but the Democrats look like they're going to signal their approval. I. This is very tricky. Chip Roy can't sit here and say what he said for the past. How, you know, however many years he's been in Congress, and then vote to approve this CR, which does the same thing he's been ranting and raving about. And I love Chip Roy, and I think Chip Roy is probably the most right person, both politically and correct in terms of being correct, in Congress. Chip Roy is the model of what other conservatives should be in the House. He is a fighter He is constantly harping on getting spending back on track and stopping, whether it's Republicans or Democrats, stopping the insane spending. Everybody should model their hopes and dreams for the ideal conservative lawmaker based on Chip Roy. He can't walk away from all that now to support this continuing resolution. He can't. And so conservatives like Chip Roy are going to be opposed to it. Now, is there going to be a civil war amongst Republicans like there was when Kevin McCarthy was in charge? Probably not. And here's why Republicans, even the farthest to the right, the Matt Gaetzes, the Nancy Maces, the Thomas Masseys, the Chip Roys, even though Chip Roy wasn't part of the getting rid of McCarthy thing. Even all those people know that what they have right now is probably as good as they're going to get and is a very conservative option in Mike Johnson. They're not going to go through another chaotic month, month and a half of trying to find another speaker. They're not going to get anywhere close. Chip Roy, Chip Roy has to be opposed to this. The feeling amongst Republicans is that there's cautious optimism that we're going to avoid a government shutdown. And I hate the words cautious optimism. I've been bitten by that before, and I know you have too. But there's cautious optimism among Republicans that we will avoid a shutdown fight right now, and it gives us more time to actually fight on appropriations. I'll be honest with you, the moderate Republicans in New York who don't want cutting to public transportation, they're probably going to have to suck it up and take some cuts. When it comes to the farm bill, people in the Midwest are probably going to have to suck it up and take some cuts. I'm sorry, farmers, you're probably the most subsidized group of people in America. That's just the fact of the matter. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, if we get a laddered continuing resolution, it's not ideal because it's a clean continuing resolution. All the spending is frozen at current levels. But if it's tiered, it starts to separate all of this omnibus spending. It introduces the idea of breaking up spending. And that little seedling of an idea is actually a pretty good thing. That little seedling of an idea is how the change is going to start. I'm going to say the words that if Moongrafon's listening, I hope he's not driving because he will swerve off the road screaming and, and shouting, but it's a step in the right direction. With a thin majority and the Republican conference infighting nearly constantly... A step in the right direction is better than nothing at all. Now, when we get through this continuing resolution, Mike Johnson's got a busy holiday season because he's got to fight for these appropriations bills. He's, tried, he's got to try to get things through the House, knowing he's going to be fought every step of the way, not just by members of his own caucus, but by the Democrats, including the Senate and the White House. So not only has he got to be prepared for a fight amongst his own members to get these appropriations bills through with a narrow majority, he's also got to be willing to step up and negotiate with the White House because that's where this is headed. But if he gets this win on the on the laddered continuing resolution. That's probably going to bring Senate Republicans to his side. See, Senate Republicans have been staying out of it. Senate Republicans have been avoiding a lot of the House's fights because they weren't sure how Kevin McCarthy was really going to win these fights. And now that Kevin McCarthy is out, they are really staying out because they just don't know. The House is in chaos. They don't know how the House is going to react. But if Johnson can get through this continuing resolution, a laddered, tiered continuing resolution, if he can get it through, keep his job, and start to unite the Republicans in the House just a little bit, Senate Republicans will probably start working with House Republicans a little bit more. And the more the Republicans are working together, the more they're going to be standing behind Mike Johnson. When the White House comes to call and say, we're not taking this, we're going to veto this. And then the House says, all right, put your idea forward. And when the Democrats don't put an idea forward, they're just going to say, we don't want this, we don't this, we don't want this, we don't want this. We want the same thing we've always done. The House can say, that's not a negotiation. You're going to shut down the government because you're not willing to come to the table and actually negotiate. And you know what happens when the government shuts down? Yeah, the Republicans are going to take a little bit of blame, but that's right now. This is more than a year out right now from the next year's elections. And even as we get into the new year, still about a year out, little less from the November elections in 2024. All of the anger over a government shutdown will be long gone. But you know what people will remember? You know what they will remember? That the government shut down at a time when the economy was already terrible. And they're going to remember the economic pain because they didn't have enough money saved up because all of their money was being spent when inflation was super high, when energy costs were super high. The economy is going to come first in November. And it doesn't matter if the government shuts down, it won't shut down let's face it, the government's not going to shut down. But if it does shut down, it's not just the Republicans taking the blame for it. Because right now, under Joe Biden, the economy is terrible and people are suffering. 24% of Democrats in a recent poll feel comfortable. Only 24% of uh, Democrats feel comfortable about the economy right now. Only less than a quarter of Democrats feel like they're in a better position than they were when Joe Biden took office. A year from now, If things don't change, do you think that Democrats are going to be faring any better? Not with the current poll numbers that are out there. Let's talk about those to wrap up the show here on The Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL 232 1542 is the number, or use the KPL app chat to get your voice heard. We'll have your voices and more right after this break. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Wrap it up. Your five o'clock news cruise, brought to you by a service Chevrolet Cadillac at 1212 Ambassador Caffrey here in Lafayette. Glad to have them as a sponsor for this hour, the most fun hour of the day, at least for me. I hope it is for you guys, too. So there is some polling that's come out and Democrats are freaking out even harder. Now, again, I again, I have to keep giving The warning that events change things. There are a lot of things in play and the election is not held tomorrow. But if the election is held tomorrow, the polling shows Donald Trump beats Joe Biden. A new poll that's out. And this is interesting because it actually looks state by state and looks at the electoral votes. If the elections held tomorrow, according to this poll Donald Trump beats Joe Biden, 292 electoral college votes to 246. That's key. That's one of the things that keeps getting missed in a lot of the national polling. Everybody said in 2016 that the polls sucked. The polls were not great. But here's the thing. The polling in 2016, when you look at the percentages in terms of population, they were about right. But the Hillary Clinton campaign focused on urban Democratic strongholds rather than focusing on some pretty important things like blue-collar voters, like the Rust Belt. So this data matches a Bloomberg poll released on Friday in a New York Times poll from earlier this month. The Biden administration is freaking out. Democrats are freaking out. Tim Scott withdrew from the presidential race. That consolidates the field a little bit. and We get, we can actually maybe see if that changes the numbers for the people way down the presidential primary ticket. But again, it doesn't really matter because Donald Trump is so far ahead that, that again, if the election were held, Donald Trump is the Republican nominee. If the election were held for the general, Donald Trump wins. But there's a lot of time, there's a, a just a slightly under a year before the 2024 election, and a lot of things could change. There are a lot of trials going on. There's a lot of money being spent. I want to end with this quote before we go. All right? Biden refuses to accept his capacity to do the job has been greatly reduced. That was in a Politico piece earlier. That was in a Politico piece today. Democrats understand that Biden is refusing to accept that he can't really do the job that he signed up for. And if he runs again, his capacity will be even lower because he's older and getting slower each and every day. You guys have a great day. If you're going to the David Thibodeau STEM uh, orientation night, the information meeting night, I might see you over there. I'm headed there next. You guys have a great evening. I'll talk to you again tomorrow here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL.